Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's, or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. So we're all set for the 2021 NBA Finals, with the Milwaukee Bucks facing the Phoenix Suns beginning on Tuesday in Phoenix. The early odds heavily favor the Suns, which I'm not quite ready to co-sign. There are matchups that will go a long way toward determining how this series goes, most notably Drew Holiday versus Chris Paul and Brooke Lopez versus DeAndre Ayton. Whether or not Giannis Antetokounmpo plays for the Bucks is obviously a significant factor, and I'm guessing the early line has been set with the idea that he's not going to play. That's the only way I can justify the Suns being such heavy favorites. Although here's a tell that indicates the odds makers are hedging their bet. The odds on the Suns winning in seven games are identical to those for them winning in five. I'll get into the matchups and where I think the series will be decided in the next podcast. For now, I want to visit how the Bucks got past the Hawks and some misconceptions put out about how and why it happened. Let's start with this ESPN headline. Middleton lifts Bucks past Hawks into NBA Finals. That would be Chris Middleton. And this one. Booker, CP3, PG13, or Middleton? Which superstar owned the conference finals? Come on. We've got to be able to do better than that. And by we, I mean us as the media covering the NBA. I'll deal with the second premise first. I don't know that I would put any of those four in the category of superstar. 
As you know, I consider that a title far too widely distributed already. LeBron is a superstar. KD is a superstar. James Harden, Giannis, Kawhi, Steph Curry. Look, not every team has a superstar. They have a best player, or a star, or two. A superstar, by my definition, is someone who has been a league MVP, or came, or came damn close, or led a team to a title, or came damn close. Maybe after these finals, someone will qualify that hasn't yet. Depends on what they do over the next week or two. The whole question of which of these superstars dominated the conference finals is flawed from the start, though. But let's fix it to which star owned the conference finals just so we can play along. And the answer is none of them. None were the sole reason their team made it to the finals. None of them were consistently dominant. Here's the crazy part. The story has Chris Paul as number one and Devin Booker as third. Chris Middleton as second and Giannis as fifth. Paul George was listed as fourth by ESPN's panel of experts who go unidentified. Now, I know lists are fun and popular and an easy draw. After all, I clicked on it. But on the face of it, this makes no sense. How do two players from the same team own the conference finals? How does Chris Paul, not having played in the first two wins by the Suns, then going 2-2 two and two in the games he did play against the Clippers and being far from dominant in their third win, wind up as the player who owned the conference finals above any other player. The first headline is just flat-out misleading. Middleton didn't lift or lead or engineer or any other verb you want to use on what he did in Game 6 against the Hawks to suggest he was the main reason they won. Middleton had a lights-out third quarter, scoring 23 of his game-high 30 points in the period. If the Bucks had blown the game open and Atlanta never threatened again, I might go along with the idea. But that's not what happened. The Hawks pulled to within six with just over three minutes to play, thanks to a Middleton turnover that led to a Clint Capella breakaway dunk. The Hawks did not go away, in part because Middleton could not make a shot, going 0 for 4 in the period. Drew Holiday lifted, led, or engineered, or whatever verb you wish to use, to get the Bucks the victory. He was the one, after that Capella dunk, that answered with a drive through the heart of the Hawks' defense, and then finishing with a sensational reverse layup that needed exquisite English off the backboard for the ball to find the hoop and force the Hawks to call a timeout. It was Holiday who found Lopez with a lob for a dunk to push the difference back to 10 with just 90 seconds left that served as the final dagger. Now, Middleton contributed four free throws down the stretch, so it wasn't as if he didn't do anything. But Mike Budenholzer put the ball in Holiday's hands after that Middleton turnover. Holiday was also responsible for the Bucks' strong first quarter start, which was crucial playing on the Hawks' home floor and keeping the crowd from getting engaged early. 
Holiday had five of their first seven points. Holiday found P.J. Tucker for the eighth and ninth points on a short floater. When Atlanta surged with six unanswered points, it was Holiday who drove to the rim again to end the run. Time and again, when the Hawks threatened, Holiday had an answer. The second most impactful game, or player rather, for the Bucks was Brooke Lopez. Despite all that scoring, Middleton finished with a plus-minus of only plus three. Only Tucker had a lower plus-minus among the starters with a zero. Lopez was an astounding plus 25 because he, once again, was a huge force on defense with three blocked shots. The Bucks had five total, the other two by Holiday. His plus-minus of plus 13 doesn't quite do the all-around game he had justice. Nine rebounds, nine assists, and 27 points. Yes, he had six turnovers, but Middleton had seven. As has been the case for nearly all Milwaukee's wins over the Hawks, contributions from several players made the difference. Holiday, Lopez, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton off the bench. Middleton did his part, but he did a part. In no way would anyone watching think he did the part. The only reason you might say that is to justify suggesting Middleton is a superstar who owned the conference finals more than any other buck. Going a combined 0 for 16 from 3 in games 1 and 4, both Atlanta wins, is not owning anything other than responsibility for the series' outcome being in doubt until Trey Young sustained a bone bruise in his foot. Which brings me to my last point. I respect that Trey Young did not want to sit and watch the Hawks fight to extend the series without him. As the team's star, he had the right to insist on playing. But that doesn't make it the right decision. Having seen the Hawks play without him, and with them being on their home floor, they were capable of winning without him. It's not just that he couldn't deliver. It's that having him on the floor changed how everyone else had to play. He had the team's highest usage rate, which is the number of plays a player is involved in. As a result, Bogdan Bogdanovich's usage was nearly cut in half from the previous game, and Bogdan was arguably their most effective player the previous two games. And if I am mispronouncing his first name, I apologize. Bogdan, Bogdan, it's one of those. Trey took six threes and missed all of them in game six. Bogdanovich made two of his five, but more important, he took only five after making 7 of 16 in Game 5 and 6 of 14 in Game 4. If there was a player, a Hawks player, who could have created a mismatch in Game 6, it was Bogdan. Instead, he was reduced to a very complimentary role. Maybe he couldn't have done enough. Maybe it wouldn't have mattered. But Trey clearly knew he wasn't right unable to finish drives and passing up open threes. It's clearly favoring that foot. Didn't push off it the same. Didn't have the same elevation. Didn't have the same explosiveness. 
Kevin Herter had an awful shooting night. Two for ten overall and one for six from three. And got dragged on social media from what I saw. But how many did he take after Trey passed up an open shot and swung it to him with a short shot clock and forced him to launch one? I counted at least a couple. Don't take this as me blaming the loss on Trey. I don't want to go quite that far. But did Trey, being on the floor for 35 minutes, taking a team leading 17 shots, give them their best chance to win? I can't say that either. Let's face it. Take away Trey's ability to take and make threes, especially floor-stretching ones, massively changes his ability to impact the game. It also curbs, or curbed, the opportunity for a Bogdanovich or a Danilo Gallinari to be that threat. One final word on the value of this run for the Hawks. It gave them a great read on the slew of young players they have, particularly Cam Reddish. I'm not ready to label him as a star in the making. He was an unknown for the Bucks, someone they didn't game plan for, and he took full advantage. He raised both his profile and his value. So if and when in the next year or two, the Hawks have to make some decisions on which of their young players to extend and which ones they might look to package in a trade, all of this depending on what they do with John Collins this offseason as a restricted free agent, the bottom line is I can't see them keeping both DeAndre Hunter and Reddish, not at the kind of money that I would expect that they would want. But Reddish has created an asset out of himself that didn't exist when this series started. They need a better backup point guard slash playmaker behind Trey than Lou Williams, and Cam could help them get one. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. As I said at the top, in the next episode, unless something extraordinary happens between now and then, I will take a look at all of the matchups, the coaching matchups, the X-Factors, the main players, and see exactly what we should expect from this NBA Finals. One thing that I am optimistic about is that despite this being between two small markets, that the intrigue specifically surrounding Chris Paul and his attempts to maybe shift his legacy by winning a championship is going to be compelling enough for the mainstream audience to dial in and take note. It doesn't really matter to me how many people watch. I expect to be entertained, and I expect to see a series that goes longer than five games. And I'm not counting out the Bucks and their ability to actually win this one. Giannis playing or not playing will be a factor. How they adjust to him playing or not playing will also be a factor. We'll get into all of that, hopefully, in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening.
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 